right, welcome uh, to Sync Ratios. Yeah. I'm Ben Collins. I'm Luke Piotrowski. This is episode 17. Yes. Of both Sync Ratios and of Neon Genesis Evangelion, the show that we're here to talk about. Yep. And the the Japanese translated title is The Fourth Child. Okay. The officially sanctioned English language title is Fourth Children. Hmm. So there you go. Uh, pretty straightforward. I talked about really enjoying the plural use for singular mm-hmm. uh, before just how evocative and strange it is script by shinji higuchi and hideaki Anno. oh shinji's oh, writing the script is that his first writing credit i believe so and then the director is minoru ohara okay this time around this was the first broadcast on january 24th 1996 1996 it's so oh something so. weird that i that i found out that we didn't talk about before was the weaving a story um the episode we did with Lacey that was the recap episode uh-huh it was actually aired at a different time. It was aired at 8 a.m. Sometimes oh. weird things happen, I guess, with the broadcast schedule and the shows will air at different times. And so there's a recap episode in part because it was to be aired in the morning. Interesting. So. That is interesting. Anyway. Well, yeah, this, I mean, the title, very very straightforward. Uh, the, the, the events of this episode, kind of equally straightforward. I mean, there's a lot of information that's thrown at us. But it's very much just a plot episode. We don't get any battles. I mean, you know, after the last one, I no, think... No, it's very emotional. It's, it's good to, to be doing a different vibe here, but this is And it is, is a very of... different vibe. It is very stark. I mean, I just brought up the, um, the recap episode, but what I love so much about that episode is the sort of uh, push and pull. Like, if you could sort of see the sound... If you were recording the audio of the episode, like just on a like mm-hmm. a you know garage band or whatever, you'd see like the the dips of like there's sound and then it would go to silence and yeah. the text would come up and then there'd be sound and then it'd go to silence and the text would come up and no music, just like the all that like how stark and kind of ominous that is. And mm-hmm. this episode kind of operates in that way of like that we open with like the you know the sound of the like uh, spotlight being put mm-hmm. on massage being questioned. There's like a lot of doors opening and then like echoing silence mm-hmm. uh you know even the well the the eye catcher when the eye catcher goes to it you have um ray is in her house and we can talk mm-hmm. about the, the scene with ray i want to talk about oh, that but really just, good really good just the cut to it you have the whenever you're at ray's apartment you have that that industrial clang oh that just yeah repeat, like, kung, and the sound kung. of the door is really i know i made note of that but it, even time, like yeah. that's playing throughout the scene and then when it cuts to the eye catcher that comes up really loud in the, yeah. in the mix like when it cuts to the the midpoint title the clang all of a sudden it's been there the whole time but it suddenly comes to the mm-hmm. foreground in mm-hmm. a way that is like fucking phenomenal and then the end of the episode is him throwing the basketball and uh, you hear the sound of the basket. Yeah, so, like, but it's it's silent up until then. Like it's like a very silent thing, and then you right. hear the basketball. No, sound. Yeah, yeah, there's no sound at all. You don't hear him dribbling. You don't. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's a very anxious episode. I think it's. It's like we all know that things are getting uh, out of control or getting to places where people don't. You know, the the plan is sort of running out, and there's a sense of you can kind of feel that, and everybody's you know sort of scrambling to figure out what well they even next, say and... like which i had said i wasn't sure this was actually showed up on the show it shows up ever so slightly of the teacher saying that uh the birth rates are decreasing mm-hmm. and less and oh, less yeah, children yeah. are born every year and that we talked about this before but the it does feel like a lot of things are petering out <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and the plan whatever it is that gendo and futsuki and sele are all talking about it it seems like it is we're getting closer and closer yeah it's that that sort of children of men vibe that we've talked about that that you know gets 
gets underreported or underdiscussed with this show that it is a sort of it's not post-apocalyptic but it is in a way it's like sort of it's the nether world of the post pre-apocalypse you know it's like we're in this kind of weird limbo state right. and well it's just it like a very like. sort of uh, stately apocalypse like it is post-apocalyptic but we're far enough out from it when the story starts that things are kind of there but it's like that that thing that i read that ano had written where it just it just sort of feels like we're just okay we got better but it's not we're still gonna die mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know um god this fucking show like the the fact that you were just talking about like the sort of the silences and you know oh, there's no battles and everything but something fucking huge happens just a couple minutes into the episode which is the the second branch of nerve and yeah. AB unit four disappear and we don't see any of it we get this shot of the yeah, earth it's like this like satellite thing and yeah. just this little pink flash and then it cuts to everybody you know alarm screens everybody's freaking out and it's like it didn't blow up it vanished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it disappeared, probably into a you know this entire, this entire lab and the Ava and you know thousands of people. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they comment on that. Yeah, thousands of people just gone, gone in an instant. Yeah, and Ritsuko suspects maybe they disappeared into a sea of Dirac like Ava Unit One did in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so crazy and scary. Yeah, it's because they were trying to install an S two engine. Which they haven't discussed the too much yet, Evangelion. I mean, they we can sort of grasp that it's a power source of that some they kind, do. obviously. It's, it's, my understanding is that it is the, the thing that they got from the angel, the core of the angel, the red mm-hmm. core. Um, they retrieved that. We're trying to sort of use that and install it as a power source into the... And that's my understanding is what the yeah, engine is. Yeah, yeah. And I think we can say that. I think it's okay. There's not like a spoiler. That, like, I, ob- I mean, obviously, that may the, not... I'm pretty sure that's. What I think it is. that's what it is because the, the, obviously the, we've discussed it at length. The power limitations that the Avas right. have, and, this and is the, an go, to the, the, the goal to yeah, sort of figure out a way that they can run around untethered for longer than five minutes or whatever. It seems to be what they're but doing, it's and that's terrifying. That, it makes yeah. me think of like the Hadron Collider and stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah. and like doing these people. There are crazy experiments going on that could like. Oh, what if you just like opened up a black hole on Earth or something yeah. like? That in a, in the blink of an eye it could all just be gone. Well, and it's and they 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 say that it, the test site, the the nerve site in America was in Nevada, which of course you know makes you think about like nuclear testing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And like you know, again, the idea that just like when you see those old photos and stuff, that it's like yeah, for a while there they were just testing nuclear weapons, you know, because they're just splitting atoms, to you see. know, becoming you know the, whatever. I can't remember the quote about being the god of death or whatever but yeah oh wait there's a, on screen there I is the thing i wanted to point out there's a shot um if we're just i'm just jumping this in because i just wanted to say it there's a shot where uh we see gendo and ritsuko looking at the dummy plug and it does this sort of uh top down shot of gendo and he's the floor tiles he's standing on are near exact replicas of the floor tiles from the sort of hotel room in space at the end of 2001 that was mm-hmm. uh, famously replicated for the um uh, factory 14 uh, art exhibit here in Los Angeles a couple years ago and you know if you are on Instagram you saw every single person fucking posting <laughs> in that room but it's it's you know it's a very particular type of floor tile that is lit from underneath and just is like white big white squares and it looks fucking awesome and just another reason for me to mention that 2001 is a continued source of both design and uh, narrative and thematic and cinematic inspiration for this show mm-hmm. um, anyways uh, yeah so there's so there's a lot to talk about there's a lot i mean i want to <laughs> yeah i just uh, for fun i want to talk about just trying to imagine 
we only get these snippets, but like just the conversations that Gendo and Fiyutsuki have by themselves. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where it's just like, like man has created a paradise here. Like, well, man was chased from paradise and had to, yeah. <laughs> like, they just constantly, like you said, like quoting Shakespeare or something to each other. It reminded me a lot of, if you've seen, uh, ghost in the shell two, in a sense, yeah, like the have. second one, Bato and Togusa just kind of, it's like constantly just quoting, like actually quoting, like mm-hmm. half of the dialogue is just random quotes from, from things. Or it's, that, well, it's sort of like, it's like the Henry Gibson character in Magnolia, the, like the guy at the bar that uh-huh. just like speaks in like quotes, Samuel Johnson and stuff like that like just like yeah the, this the, the the you know the sort of like uh serious older men that you know yeah it sort of seems something. like if like like Lance Henriksen's character from the TV show Millennium <laughs> was just like having a conversation with God, I don't know. <laughs> like, who would be the other character that would that would know, take the, the place? Man from X Files or something? Like, I don't yeah, know. and they're just like <laughs> bleak observation about something. Well, what about this philosophical observation about your bleakness? Yes, but yeah, the the back and forth of like <laughs> these guys, little their chit chat is. Uh, so deep and probing and And depressing. I mean, I'm sure there's information in there. It's hard to sort of, I mean, there's no way that we're going to be able the, to like A lot of what those two talk about is just sort of, you know, philosophically that, you know, man is a weak animal that is here. The way they chase from paradise and living side by side with death. I think he <laughs> talks about, so being chased out of the garden of Eden and, you know, being cursed to die and then like trying to build a paradise and run away from it. And, you know, create pleasure for ourselves while we can. And so they're more philosophical comments, but they do talk about things happening, uh, not in accordance with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. So really hitting harder and harder here, the idea that the Dead Sea Scrolls have sort of predicted what's happening. This is probably where they got yeah. the names of the angels. They talk about you know, they're asking the the Sele committee is asking Misato, did an angel try to make contact with yeah, the that's pilot? How we the thing. And is this like what's foretold about the thirteenth angel onward? So they have information about these things, and so they're using the dead. Yeah, sea there's scrolls. an expectation for what what the process of this stuff yes. is going to be. And I Gendo mean, is highlighting the idea that there there could be stuff that happens that's not predicted that it's these scrolls and that that's okay. And yeah. Like, that this is acceptable losses. The, the Ava unit four and nerve base two are acceptable losses. The base here and unit one should be enough. Yeah. The, the continued emphasis on the importance of unit one above all else from Gendo's perspective and, and that, that, you know, he's sort of disregarding uh, other people's priorities here in, in, in favor of his own, which we've clearly seen at this point. Um, and then the discussion of the fourth child comes in right because well, they soon. see the dummy plug for the first time. Well, you mentioned the dummy plug in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Scene, well, 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 it, it is the dummy plug. The, 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 so the idea is that they is that uh, in America they were building Ava's unit three and unit four, and that unit which one one of them is lost in the four is lost and three is being shipped to Japan. Japan. And so they need because America doesn't want it anymore. Yeah. And they, then, they, they forced, they, they scrambled to be, no, we want to be the ones to build them. And then when yeah. something goes wrong, they're like, Oh, take it away. Which is sounds, sounds like America. That's the America I know. Um, <laughs> in uh, in so so the the discussion of well how are we gonna what are we gonna do with it you know we could use the dummy plug which they've discussed in prior episodes which is a of sort of uh, like an AI version of of like Ray in this case like where they took Ray's consciousness and put it into sort a fake her dummy pers- plug her personality and like uh, what a glowing personality making. it is you know? yeah there's something sort of strange about that but 
But they say you can't copy a human soul, so it's just like kind of mimics thought patterns, but is ultimately just you know a machine tricking the Evangelion into syncing with yeah, it. Yeah, and that and that and this seems to be a sort of dicey thing on on their part that they maybe don't think it's ready to be used or they shouldn't be used. So it's now they, they need to go they need to go pick they need to go find or choose or select or whichever term they. Need. There's a lot of double speak here about the the notion of the fourth child, and you know to sort of cut through it. And I think I hinted at this in early episodes because I couldn't remember exactly how it played out. But the implication here is is that uh, the school where Chinji and Ray and Asuka all go, all the students there are sort of there because they are potential, potential candidates. Because they they don't really say that clearly, but that is what that is, is going what on. Is. And they say I think uh, the the clearest you get is Misato saying who or Ritsuko Ritsuko. Saying that they're all gathered here for safety. They've all been gathered in one spot. Yeah. And and so you know, and they say, you know, good and, news for Kensuke that he was a potential pilot. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's a consolation at the very least. Although I think he kind of senses that and it's which is interesting. But like so I mean to sort of cut through to just the stuff in case, you know, if you're if you're watching or you're, sorry, if you're listening to this for any sort of help in the clarity of it, if you remember, they've made reference to in the past this sort of notion of the Marduk Institute. Being... Marduk named after a Babylonian god who has 50 names. I didn't realize that. And uh, there's like 800 something dummy companies. And so like that this is a, you know, a bunch of fake names, false names for this yeah. uh, corporation. Well, it, so so we've seen Kaji on his sort of like corporate espionage missions where he's, he's ascertained and it's repeated in this episode that while the information presented to Misato and presumably anybody else within Nerve that needed to know this is that there is this independent organization called the Marduk Institute that does some sort of selection process in finding the eligible pilots right. for the Avas. And that but, that's how Asuka and Ray and Shinji all got to be there. But what his research that we saw in the prior episode and what again is reminded here is that that's a dummy corp. It's just a nervous pulling the strings. It's entirely, you know, Gendo uh, and Fuchsky and presumably Ritsko who are in charge of this. There is no other institute. There's no selection and committee. It is. And that they're picking from the kids that they've gathered at this school. And that a lot of the episode is building up to this sort of expectation. Although I think they, they make it fairly clear early on, I think. Yeah. I mean, of, I was going to say like, is it, is it a spoiler to talk about the fourth child? Like, what I mean, I, I mean, you watched the episode already, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, they don't say, but I mean, I think okay, it's with, Toji. <laughs> yeah, it's Toji. I mean, at the end of the thing, I think we kind of yeah. You, it's you, a, it would be real shitty. That would be bad writing to to just like end with Toji like that on the top of that. Like, oh, Kensuke, Kensuke's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hikari, you're you're up. No, so sorry guys, if you somehow are listening to this or pace and you feel like that's a spoiler, it's not. Just, yeah, it's fine. It's Toji. Um, but yeah, so that's so a lot of the episode uh, all, is plot again, about mo- that. motherless children. Yes. Um, have they said that yet? Or well, that... Kensuke talked about how he didn't have a mom. I think. Do we know about anything about Asuka's mom yet? We know well, Shinji's I mean, mom vanished. She, she she calls out for her in her sleep or whatever. Yeah. When you try when Shinji's trying to kiss her. So I mean, it's it's obviously the absence of mothers is a is, is a, an important. If you haven't noticed that yet, yes. um, uh, <laughs> continuing you know, motif. Um, which, by the way, I think it's done pretty elegantly. I don't think they don't throw it in your face. No. So no. It, you could have gotten this far. I'm not insulting your intelligence. If you got this far and hadn't really sat and thought about like 
I mean, we don't know. So that's we don't why, know that's, dick that's about that's where Ray thing. comes from. We don't know yeah. anything about Ray's past prior to the, the first episode of the show, other than the one flashback. Or I guess something. we don't. We've seen her now in this tube. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, we know the that breathing something's brain up. tube. We know that you know Shinji doesn't have mom. Again, Asuka's made vague references, but we don't <laughs> that, have any factual information. Is, she's in this fucking brain thing, just like this. And then Genda's like, "You can come out now. Let's go get something to eat." Yeah, it's like <laughs> the, that's that's the most like uh, you want to hit up uh, In and Out Burger on the yeah, way uh, yeah, after yeah. this. It's like We're going to Applebee's after this. He's just he's just like uh, being a normal person for once, which is sort of funny. Even the animation of him in that shot, like he's got more like uh, expression or sort of more facial characters. Well, he likes Ray. He cares he about Ray and nobody else. Yeah, whatever that means. But that relationship is getting challenged. I'm jumping around here. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that happens in this episode is that Toji is tasked with going because Ray and Kensuke have both been absent a lot. Uh, Ray, I guess, because she's been in that tube. Mm-hmm. I assume working on the dummy plug system. Um, you know, they talk about you know I don't know what's going on in there. It's yeah, like, they are they sort said, of it's, it's being some in sort of that process tube that they're doing how they're mapping her, you know, consciousness mm-hmm. for the dummy plug. I don't. I mean, that's I I. I that's my guess, but they don't. Because I mean, the tube is the, like this, the size and shape of the yeah. dummy plug, and then there's like a big brain that's there. She's just she's floating sort of in it, naked. floating in there. So it's sort of like, is that is that the mapping mm-hmm. going on? But I don't, I don't know for sure. That's just yeah. Me. And then Kensuke's been out, sort of gathering information. Like I guess mm-hmm. Toji says he was looking, chasing some battleship or something, and doing his military nerd stuff. But he comes back with all sorts of information. That he tells Shinji that Shinji doesn't know anything about like, yeah. the disappearance of Unit 4 and the selection of a new pilot for Unit 3 and blah, blah, blah. But Toji is tasked with going to deliver the homework to Rei. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we were joking that it, it would be great if they just mirrored the scene of uh, Shinji's attempt to do the same thing prior. Every time a boy comes over to Rei's house. They drawer full of underwear. and Catch her at the wrong time. Know, Cups of boob or two. But then they both end up going. He takes Shinji with him, much to Hikari's dismay. Because mm-hmm. he's like, gotta go. And uh, this is the. I don't think we've. Have they even hinted at this before? Hikari is the class rep, by the way, the girl with the freckles yeah. and the brown hair. And Toji's like, well, I gotta go to take this stuff to Ayanami's house. But I can't go alone. That'd be weird. Mm-hmm. And Hikari's like, oh, I could go with. And yeah. Shinji, come with me. Yeah, I don't know how much they've hinted at it, but it's it's cute. Um, oh, it's the cutest. And she's, the she's really saddest. cute in her, and he's you know he's kind of just a, a he's oblivious, he's a doof, you know, in that way. Um, but yeah, I'll help the, you eat the leftovers if you want. Yes, help me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make lunch for you. Oh, oh adorable! But in yeah, the sunset too, like the the, the the magic hour is happening when oh, yeah. in that scene. Oh, now there's yeah, there's a lot of good lighting in this episode. Um, different from the last episode that we talked about in terms of the color palette and stuff but i really do uh, enjoy that but i was getting to that they go to ray's mm-hmm. house and it would also be funny if both uh toji yeah. and shinji both uh in knocked over the underwear and embarrassed themselves but they they do it they play it pretty cool this time shinji's like like a pro <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's sort of like just but nah, i've done this before and he straightens up for ray yeah, Which he, is important. he picks up some of the wadded up Kleenex that she has on the ground and the various, you know, <laughs> rubbish of her place. Her and, bloody bandages. Toji's and, and, uh, not into that because, you know, cleaning up isn't a man's job. And there's just some, some funny little, you well, know, he said, well, Okay, fine, but Misato doesn't like guys like that. He has a real struggle, a real yeah. crisis of self here. It's like, but that's not my policy. <laughs> it's not my policy. His I policy can't do it. To, yeah. 
he clenches his fist like Arthur and he's just like, <laughs> oh, I can't do this. Uh, and then Ray comes back. Yeah, he's Toji's sitting Riker style backwards on the chair. Yeah. AC Slater. Uh, and the, yeah, there's just a lot of sort of cute. Uh, well, it's kind of tr- tragedy, <laughs> like how these characters interact. Because when Shinji says he's straightened up for Ray, she like blushes, which we have not seen ray do before yeah no it's the most human that she's you know really been uh in an episode i mean it's just she, it she's, a, she's it embarrassed very endearing i mean just the, the, i mean it's not you know she's not she's still not expressive it's still kind of like a static shot of she's her just, just with a little stunned. pink cheeks you know but it's oh, it's ray. at this point you know like the amount of of affection for these characters is, it's great to see ray you know feel something in a way and and you know the net the next a, a lot of the animation on her in this episode just the expressiveness without yeah, her being eyes are slightly wider overdone yeah. but just like looking around like hmm and and definitely that she says thank you and then after they leave lies on her you know very teenage girl style yeah. <laughs> lies face down on the bed thinking and talking and she's to never herself. done that before i don't think <laughs> and mm-hmm. she's thinking out loud I, I i noticed this for the first time that like she's sort of in the kind of mode from the poem thing, like from mm-hmm. the, and, and it's like, it's the first time we're hearing it out loud. And again, like you were saying in the previous episode, when we were talking about that again, that it's like, yeah, that's, that's just the way her thoughts work. And usually she keeps those to herself. And this time she's marveling at the fact that she's never said thank you before. And that not she said even, thank you and not even to Gendo when he saved her life that time. She's staring at his glasses. Too, and it's you know sort of. it's interesting to see her you know feeling something she's not sitting rigid or you know she's she's lying mm-hmm. down she's you know introspective she's got you know some kind of feelings i mean last time we saw her she was being very sweet to shinji in a way that was some of the most human she's been and this is sort of continuing and you know whatever that means and so, so from the very beginning there's been this weird tension between like well everybody wants gendo's attention you know ray mm-hmm. and shinji Shinji sort of now getting attention from Ray instead. Like, you know, like Shinji was never going to get attention from Gendo. That's what he wanted. And now he's sort of shifted to getting attention from Ray and Ray's giving it to him. And they're sort of, you know, finding emotional satisfaction with somebody because thank God, because Gendo's not going to really give that to anyone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, feeling things and sort of, sort of reassessing her priorities, like staring at the glasses and being like, Okay, thanks Shinji because he actually fucking did something for mm-hmm. me. What is what has Gendo ever done? Throw put me in a tube? Yeah, <laughs> I guess he you know opened the thing for her, but hey, so did Shinji. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I mean, there's yeah, there's like so much. Uh, you know, we're like jogging through it to like see what all we need to talk about. There's I mean, a lot of yeah. I think we've covered some of the big ones, but there's a lot of just very cryptic throwaway references to a lot of big things. Um, with this scene at the vending machines with Kaji and Misato, that seems pretty important. Yeah, well, that I sort of covered that in the explanation of the Marduk Institute. Okay, stuff. is that mostly that, what that's he tells mostly her? Mostly what it is, but we'll see it in a second. I mean, it's also, also, he also a funny tries- scene because he tries to he sort of tries to kiss Maya, and she does a sort of sidestep out of the frame in a really <laughs> that's a very anime comedy <laughs> way. But it's just funny to see. Kaji just sort of wielding his sexuality, just uh, throwing it at anyone. Yeah, just around. anyone around, and to the point to where, when when the, after they have this scene, and Shinji sort of comes in and interrupts them, uh, he invites Shinji to go out for tea, and <laughs> Shinji's like, "You know, I'm a boy, right? Like, he's just, you know, because like, yeah, I know that End Kaji scene. will flirt <laughs> with anything that moves, you know, kind of thing." And it's, it's a pretty hilarious button on the scene. Yeah, 
It's clever of Shinji. Kaji don't give a shit, but no, he does take Shinji out actually to show him his watermelon patch. Yeah. Um, and again, father figurey stuff. When Kaji first showed up, I made a big to do about okay, here's a masculine figure mm-hmm. that Shinji could actually sort of aspire to be or like you know have positive influence on his life. And so he takes him out, and you know if we see a side of Kaji that's a little bit different of you know that he cares for these things and find sort of serenity in growing mm-hmm. these watermelons and they talk about suffering and how shinji does not like suffering and kaji points out that knowledge of suffering is what makes somebody be kind like mm-hmm. that like it is it is having suffered and, and knowing that and and accepting that that allows kindness to exist and allows somebody to be a kind person is you have to be aware of that sort of thing. Cause you know, kids are shitty cause they don't mm-hmm. really have any empathy. They don't really understand suffering in that way. And until you've gone through some shit, well then you can sort of, you know, and I think that that's interesting and important for yeah. Shinji to, to sort of learn. Yeah. And to get any kind of, you know, yeah, just the encouragement of, of a father figure is, you know, nice to see. Yeah, no one else knows about this. This is a secret. To, mm-hmm. is a secret to everybody. It's like the Moblin in uh, Zelda. <laughs> no one knows about his secret watermelon patch, and this is something he's going to show Shinji. Yeah. And that, in previous translations, special. they called it a flower patch, which was always sort of funny. It doesn't uh, make any goddamn sense. No, because they were clearly watermelons. But uh, uh, the, We'll sort of come back to some of these images later in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a big way. But I do, yeah, I like I like Kaji and Shinji together. Mm-hmm. Uh, these Those scenes always you know, have a nice... Well, again, Shinji, you know, they, they have a good report. Shinji calling him out on his, you know, sort of macho sort of bullshit and, you know... Kaji being nice to him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, like, Shinji's sink rate is dropping. They're sort of realizing whatever happened with that last encounter with the angel is affecting him. And Misato is very aware that they don't they don't show you. Again, there's lots of people that sort of glimpse this. Like Misato looks at the computer and they talk about the fourth child and they talk about it being the class. So there's a lot of suspense in the episode of, well, who is it? And uh, we know it's Toji, but Misada does not want to tell Shinji that because she knows it's going to upset him because Shinji knows better than anybody that it fucking sucks to be an Ava pilot. He's not going to want that for his friend. Well, and I think also she's to some degree, she, I think I without saying it, I think that she's also just aware that uh, it's when he's when he's in a good place it's because he feels special for being good at this mm. and that, that, you know, it's not going to affect, like Asuka is not going to be bothered because she's self-motivated. Ray doesn't give a shit about anything, but if one of Shinji's friends is now mm, as special as him, I think that, because a lot of what they're talking about in this episode is Shinji's pretty fragile, you know, kind of ego and that like, okay, it was really strong, but that led to him being, you know, sort of prideful and having, making this mistake or ending up in the situation in the previous episode where he sort of, you know, was lost for a while and had this whole thing. So now he's sort of losing some of his confidence. His sync ratio is going down and Masato's going like, yeah, if he's in a low point, like bringing in another person isn't going to help that at all. And it's, you know, I think, you know, I think she really does. It's out of caring about him. I don't think that it's a, a cold like oh no. Leadership I mean, I'll, thing. we she's know that Misato entirely cares yeah. about Shinji from the last episode when she's in in mm-hmm. tears, getting to see him and like hugging him and stuff. Um, yeah, no, that's an interesting read on that. That's a good point. 
Uh, Asuka is pretty pissed off to find out, though. We mm-hmm, <laughs> get this really yeah. nice scene that it's pretty in, in a pretty like dire episode. That's sort of you know, um, I don't know what the word is, but it's uh, you know contemplative and sort mm-hmm. of I don't want to I mean, say plotting because that's say. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just yeah, it's there's oppressive. an awareness that things are going to start happening. Everything feels very present, but there's a pretty good laugh in when you see <laughs> Asuka on the other side of the office door uh akaji's office door like taking a deep breath mm-hmm. and like stealing herself to like look cute like, yeah she, like, no, takes a big like <gasps> it takes a lot of effort for her apparently and then like the door opens and you see her with like she's practically it's like a it's a really stupid example but like with like puss in boots in the shrek movies <laughs> like, like trying like her eyes are so huge and so shiny mm-hmm. like super moe character like and she's, her, her she's little got a little pose, bit of a head tilt yeah, yeah a little demure little little prairie dog pose or something you know but like she's gotta like <gasps> ding, yeah and then turn it on to and go then, and sort of flirt with with kaji which he's too busy for and he sort of swats her away and so she promptly goes reverts back to like legs spread at shoulder width apart like uh-huh. hands on hips like what the hell why is he the yeah job? she's like seen it on his real, computer screen real asuka comes out very yeah it's another low angle it's another power pose for her and uh so yeah i mean it's everybody's reacting to it i mean i don't we don't see Shinji's reaction because he's the only one that doesn't know. I mean, he has this long conversation with, with Kensuke where he's, uh, you know, asking Shinji, you know, I heard all this stuff and, and desperately this stuff. Wanting and Shinji's to be just admitting that he doesn't know anything about anything. And I think there's a little bit of a, like, him realizing that maybe he's out of the loop and why is he out of the loop? And is he not being told this because it's something that, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's hard to say. This is a, I just realized this is a really good episode for us. <laughs> yeah. This is so lots of everybody's really cute in this episode mm-hmm. there's a lot of really but it's just a really good episode for all the characters like by this point in the show my affection for everyone from from misato being so concerned about shinji to kaji talking to him to kensuke like sort of sadly begging to be part a bigger part of the show you know be, mm-hmm. begging to have more relevance to you know um you know asuka here being really funny uh, and Kari to- coming out of the woodwork to be like he's just been a supporting character to suddenly having like this the most like heartbreaking and like sweet like crush you know just these like soft moments I was such a sucker for those little side characters well into into in Toji being serious you know there's there's a there's, oh, Toji's there's great a great throughout. little bit at the beginning that that almost feels like something from the flashback from the clip show episode which you referenced at the beginning because we're getting the detached voices of presumably like other like nurses or something at the hospital where Toji's sister is staying where they like he's there to visit oh, her yeah. and it's and we're sort of seeing this wide shot of him walking like yeah, through yeah, the yeah. breezeway or something and we get these voices that we never see the characters and they're talking about oh what a sweet boy he is like he comes once a week to visit his sister and you, know, you don't there's not a lot of boys like that and it's like for all of his kind of like rascally kind of macho <laughs> posturing this is an episode for all his posturing and posing yeah yeah and yeah you like, I ain't gonna his, be cleaning up this pigsty uh, for this you know like yeah his 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 it's written in a sort of dialectic you know di- dialect kind of thing or whatever it's very funny but like you know you see him be sweet and then at the end when presumably he's already been told what everybody else knows we see him very seriously you know it's very thoughtful shooting hoops, but it, it, he's obviously got a lot on trash. his mind yeah and for so for being a guy who's been hot-headed in the past for being a guy who's been macho and you know kind of you know whatever he's he's got an interior life and it's and he's the the, the possibility of becoming an ava pilot is challenging to him clearly in a way 
Because of all the shit that's happened before. I mean, he was mad at Shinji for being a Nava pilot. That was why yeah. he punched yeah. him in the first it place. It really is like he's sort of come full circle. He's like went from from being that antagonist. He even talks about that in this episode, referring to like, well, the first time I saw you, Shinji, I thought you were a jerk. And uh, but now he actually is. He is Shinji. Like he, he's gone beyond even understanding him to being put in that same position. And mm-hmm. I think that really is weighing on him. I did remember sort of. Uh, this is like a stupid example i'm sure not a lot of people are big charles dickens fans but in in david copperfield there's there's the dickens thing is he always has these like big ensemble cast of Mm -hmm. characters and you know so the the characterization has to go a long way and there's there's the driver who like just drives the carriage from david copperfield's house and name is barkus and and there's a maid that like helped raise david copperfield and there's just one one scene when he just like asks after the maid and he's like picking up David Copperfield and he's like, you know, a little bit older and taking him somewhere. And he's like, he asks after the maid and he's like, well, next time you see her, you just, you tell her Barkus is willing. <laughs> and that's all. And that's the only thing you get. But like in, in one line of that, he's like, tell her Barkus is willing. You get this whole Downton Abbey style, mm-hmm. like Mr. Bates romance of like, this guy carries a torch for that maid and he just wants to like, how's is she doing okay she's okay well she, i'm willing if she is and it's mm-hmm. just like the, the saddest sweetest most perfect little thing in this character that doesn't really do anything else the entire novel and and so hikari just being this in what most shows would be just like yeah whatever she gets these moments that all of a sudden influence every scene you see with her and mm-hmm. make her a real person and we get that with some of the you know just you know humanizing maya in this episode yeah and, I don't know. I just it's, no. It's it's, it's just it's, so good at that. You know, I'm sure some people watch it and don't don't form an affection for these these very minor characters. But I feel like anybody I know who has watched it uh, has that. I I find that in, yeah. in this, that, that that like you know you you they really use the cast well and there's not there's not a lot of like red shirts. I mean, you get those sort of like mechanic guys that are running around the nerve headquarters like <laughs> lifting things and stuff. But uh-huh. other than them, and and they kind of just throw sort of like a funny prop in of their own selves they don't have personalities but whenever they're there it's sort of funny but like yeah they, they every you know all these little side characters you get some sort of moment you get some sort of vibe and i mean in the last episode uh what's his name like you know mentioned that masada looked tired and it was obviously like a oh, out yeah. of concern you know it's like you get these just the and one she's like line. yeah for a lot of personal reasons <laughs> yeah yeah she should have shut him down there but uh yeah it's so i mean like there's really not you know a, a recurring character on this show that i would bad an eyelash if you told me that was your favorite character like mm-hmm. you know i think anybody could be somebody's favorite character um yeah and yeah, i love them all well i mean so this is it's kind of a two-parter i mean we're kind of leaving on a bit of a cliffhanger because yeah, we, we yeah. get unit three is being shipped over and we see it on a big red cross so yep. the, the religious imagery is coming it looks it's and it's all black yeah you see it and it's it's scary teeth it it it's an ominous looking thing and it's an ominous way to end the episode. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so we'll, we'll be picking back up with it later, but I guess, I mean, we've kind of said everything. There's not a ton to say about this episode. How, uh, how, how are we doing on time? Um, uh, we got we're f- about 45 minutes. Okay. I mean, I guess we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on things. I mean, I just, I know in a previous episode, we talked about some of your favorite anime shows. I can sort of run down a list of some of my... Yeah, go for it. There's a lot of which I've referenced already. I've referenced, like, Gurren Lagann, which is another Gainax show that is sort of, in a similar way, like, 
but a very opposite <laughs> trajectory of Evangelion. It just gets like sort of more and more positive and empowering, but it's also a mech show. It's it, in some ways like the, I don't want to say it's the anti-Evangelion because again, it's sort of similar trajectories, but it just builds and builds. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. And like, if you want, it's, it's a good, like when you're done with Evangelion and you feel like you just want to lay in bed forever. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to sort of I'll probably follow that up with Gurren Logan yeah. to like dig yourself out of a hole. I'll, I'm probably going to do that. Uh, it's a super fun one. Uh, and it's available to watch online? It is on um, Netflix. There's one episode that oh, is... Oh, Yeah, I talked that. about yeah. that one before. Um, I might see if I can find like a... Uh, I have the DVDs. Yeah, um, I'm going to look and see if there's It's just available. one episode, so it's not that big a deal. Yeah, but it's still... Um, and then one that I really love that I've referenced before is Wolf's Rain, which is has music by Yoko Kano, who does the mm-hmm. Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. So it's like incredible music. And it is written by Keiko Nobumoto, who is one of the major architects of Cowboy Bebop, like wrote mm. pretty much all the key episodes of Cowboy Bebop. And she created Wolf's Rain. Oh, cool. And it's a very... It's it's like got a really cool feminine vibe while not being a girly show, and that yeah. it's it's a very fantasy show. It, it when it came on Adult Swim, so some people are aware of it, but it just never really got to me the love that I thought it deserved. And it's probably my second favorite anime of all time. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I only watched it the one time with you, and I did like it. Um, I I I remember, but it, it didn't. It didn't stand out for me as no, much. No, I don't think although... any of my friends like it as much as me. I, I, I know Will, my good buddy Will, referenced on this podcast quite a bit. I think it connected with him as much. But it's just, it's got this fairy tale quality, but it's also post-apocalyptic. It's a very strange show, but it's very about strange. wolves are extinct, but there are a few left who are sort of living among us, and they have the ability to just appear as people. Mm-hmm. So uh, the heroes of the show are humans that are actually wolves and sometimes you'll see them as wolves and sometimes you'll see them as people Um, but they're on a mission to find paradise like heaven Mm -hmm. and so it's their journey through this post-apocalyptic landscape trying to find this this fabled heaven of the wolves that they're trying to get to and there's there's like some you know mecca like some dark towery sort of like abandoned robots you know still machines still running it's got a very similar world running down kind of vibe Mm -hmm. to some of evangelion but with this, I don't know, like kind of a haunting Neil Gaiman-y thing running through it in a, in a similarly, you know, I don't want to say too much about the ending of Evangelion, but it definitely takes you on a real grueling emotional journey in the last legs of, of it. And uh, so yeah, that's a big one. I watched that again. Um, the original Full Metal Alchemist was really big for me and one of the ones that I really dismissed it. As something that mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, fuck that show. Well, it, it was on. It was on Adult Swim with like Inuyasha and like some of the other. And it was one like, of the big popular shows. So you, you know, know, it's like, oh, I was into anime as a counterculture thing, and that was my big lesson was like not to be a fucking snob about this stuff because it was like, yeah, you know, people's heads aren't exploding, and you know, it's not getting psychological and like really messing you up. Like, what is this silly cartoon? But. Actually, Full Metal Alchemist does a lot of those things sure. in a really upsetting and disturbing I've way. I've never finished it. I started it a while ago, but I think I was probably watching it on like one of those like TV links or something. Yeah. So I probably should watch it. At I mean, some there's point. It's very there's long, stuff. Though, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, it's. I mean, I guess spoilers for the original Full Metal Alchemist if you haven't seen it, but mm-hmm. and just just through an image, like you see so much of this talking, this suit of armor that has a little boy's voice. Yeah. And and it's like you know, okay, sure. And then it gets to the point where somebody's hiding inside of his armored body and is killed inside of him. And he's like bleeding 
Oh out. God! And it's like, yeah, it's like it seems like such a silly popular show, and it is, and it succeeds in all those things, but it, it gets to some places that that do all those things. And Damn. I was so wrong to to have dismissed it, and it ended up being one of my favorite shows. And I know Brotherhood is the, they they did a remake that was more like the uh. more like the manga, but to me the bizarre the weirdness and some of the thematics that they find in it um i prefer the original well there you heard it here first yeah it's a very controversial it's a really hot take yeah but i think in in being presented with a bunch of pieces then having the showrunners game of thrones style have to come up with an ending that maybe was not what the original ending was in an even bigger way i i mean Um, that's always just so interesting to me like i like to have things that are i mean you know, different iterations of, of the same thing is fun. Yeah. Well, and that's what the rebuild movies yeah. are. Which, so. you know, I would we said we said it before, but it came up in conversation the other day that I guess the rebuild, it's happening. So yeah. hopefully, I mean, that's that. And that'll be a, just to jump forward to the thing we were joking with Kevin or talking with Kevin about, uh, you know, obviously we'd mentioned it on the previous episode. We're going to have him on for the end of Evangelion and then probably do the rebuild movies with him. I think we should. I, because I there's mean, no timeline to that. And, yeah. and the fourth one is going to be, you know, theatrically released, presumably in America, I, you know, in the next couple of years. And so whatever the future of this podcast is beyond <laughs> beyond watching, you know, the show that we're, you know, the iteration we're watching now and then the rebuild things, at, at whatever point, whether we've continued it, you know, into just other anime or other Japanese stuff or just other things we like, whenever the fourth rebuild movie comes out we've promised that me and you and Kevin will see it theatrically yeah. do an episode. Um, I mean, we'll see how that. it goes. I, I want to blast through the, the show and yeah. continue to have that. And so that, that people can watch on Netflix and listen to this show. Uh, I think I would love to do Shin Godzilla because there's so mm-hmm. much overlap. I would love to do cutie honey. Oh, which yeah. is all yeah. those live action adaptation of the Gona guy manga one, yeah. anime. Both, yeah. And I have not seen that in years and it's fucking great. And uh, the rebuild movies. So I think, you know, there's some stuff to dig into that is so related to Evangelion mm-hmm. once we're finished with the show that we can keep going for a little while. And well, then just watch all Anno stuff. And then we'll see. Is the first, is the, yeah, like everything you yeah, said. Yeah, I'd love to do Love and Pop. Love and, and Pop. And Ceremony and, Day. Yeah. And, you know, we, I mean, it's, Gunbuster would be fun. Oh, Gunbuster! Gun I mean, sure. I, that's you know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't. I don't think either of us mentioned that. No, as that's a, that's one of my favorite, favorite anime. Uh, anime shows. And I mean, it's it's Ano's. It's a Gynax first Ano Gynax thing. Or did would, did it come before Nadia's Secret of the it, Blue Water? I believe it did. Yeah. So that that if you, it's harder to come by. Um, it always has been. But if you like Evangelion, and especially if you're listening to this after having finished Evangelion, if you want other stuff in that with some similar feelings look look for gunbuster the original six episode yeah the, they made two movie a movie or two out of mm-hmm. it but i i've never even seen i don't i'm not a big fan of the compilation movies because it i would just rather see the whole thing yeah the, so but i like the, the ova it's it's i mean it's basically the length of a movie anyways like, yeah it's, and it's but it's, gunbuster's it's great. great directed by ano uh, gunbuster 2 is also really good like years mm-hmm. later and that's directed by kazuya saramaki yeah 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 and it's in the, the together those make a really good i remember the end of um, the end of Gunbuster. They're kind of just spiritual. Scene. In, the, I mean, in the end of Gunbuster, they're not really too. related. But like, I love, I love story wise watching that. We watched it at your house many years ago, and I, I, it had a lot of emotional impact on me for reasons that it's hard to really explain. It's a, it's a science fiction, um, 
you know, show with with some interesting ideas that <laughs> show up later in pop. Really influenced by Top Gun as well. I think the, the so Japanese strange. thing is aim for the top. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of like training sequences, and it's very it's very Top Gun with giant robots. But then in gets space, into but some then gets really sci-fi stuff and things like that. And it it you know the movie Interstellar. If you've seen yeah. that, if you yeah. like Interstellar and you like some of the ideas in Interstellar, there's some of that in Gunbuster and and. I uh, yeah I recommend that very highly and I would love to do that on here that would be really fun oh. and you know <laughs> real quick guess what I started watching what did you start watching Gundam oh you did I you started, mentioned this started watching the very first Gundam because our friend Joe started watching it. he texted mm-hmm. me out of the blue and he's like fuck it I'll be our Gundam guy <laughs> and I, I don't know maybe I've I, I've only watched like the first five or six episodes or something. Um, but it isn't bad and uh, the world building is really interesting and I think a lot of the sci-fi ideas are very cool and you can see how this was an influence on the Gynox guys just sure. from like when there's a, a rip in the hull of the spaceship these like pink bubbles will come out and like be sucked to the, the hole mm-hmm. and plug it up and like they'll they'll scoot around in the anti-gravity there's like sort of like rail handrails like mm-hmm. a like a moving sidewalk at an airport that sort of move quickly down the long hallways mm-hmm. so in anti-gravity you're like holding on to it oh, and cool. flying down so just from a lot of the design and the and the thought that goes into the sort of the reality of a lot of the things is very much there okay. in okay. a way that's pretty you're fun me. and the first episode is very similar to the first episode of Evangelion of just kind of like oh my god there's somebody attacking like in the middle mm-hmm. of this neighborhood and you're like young boy, get in this, get in this yeah. machine. Um, well, if you, if you, I don't know that it's something that you'd necessarily be into. I just like as a, you know, because I'm more into like uh, forcing myself to consume things that are historic for the genre. Like sure, sure. reading 1930s Batman comics or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like well, I'm not gonna tell anybody to read, you know, some of this, you know, 1960s Green Lantern. But it's like, but I want to because mm-hmm. I will increase my enjoyment of modern stuff. Sure. So. When watching anime, I there's definitely, you know, like I do want to watch Space Battleship Yamato and mm-hmm. watching Revolutionary Girl Utena right now, which is a, a concurrent one to Evangelion. Oh, interesting. Very strange show, um, but I, supposedly the movie is kind of similarly, um, you know, existential to some of the oh, Evangelion okay. stuff, but well, but in a more comedic way. Well, let me know how that goes. Yeah, they're both long shows. Gundam's pretty long, but, you know, I just sort of uh in a scholarly way yeah. <laughs> interested in in consuming some of those i i i'll keep you posted i respect that please do yeah uh we should probably call we it should. though so thanks for listening guys we into some you know some more shit next week and uh yeah we'll come back for what's are we on episode 19 or are we on episode 20 next week is it i think it's 19 okay this is 18 yeah so uh, oh wait no we're we're way behind we're this was 16. This was 17. Yeah. So oh, next okay, so week eight. is 18. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like Which is the choice idiots. of life, a.k.a. ambivalence. All oh, right. God, we're getting serious get, here. Yeah. Get ready for it, guys. <laughs> um, all right. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.